Hey, welcome back to Real Talk with Caleb. So glad you joined us today. And uh, today we have a special guest, Master Sergeant Janae Stokes on from the Afghanistan Regional Director for Equal Opportunity. So, so glad to have her on. Uh, when the audio kicks off, uh, you'll see that uh, the show, we had a little bit of delay in calm. I had to go back and, and get audio back. But thanks for your patience and understanding. We're recording out here in the AOR in, uh, in Afghanistan, so it's a little bit more difficult to get things lined up the way they need to be. Uh, but again, thanks for your patience. Look forward to, to you enjoying the great conversation that, uh, and wisdom that Janae Stokes uh, delivers. Um, also, uh, so I am the daughter of Mustafa Abdusalam, um, the daughter of Shirley Alexander, and um, I'm a mother, a sister, um, a daughter, all of those things and all of those titles. And with that, um, I, I hold those titles very dear to my heart because I like to give and pour into those that are around me. Um, my son, Elijah, he's five. He'll be uh, six in November. Uh, I'm married, meal to meal. My husband Julius, he's a defender who, uh, who I uh, love and adore very much. So, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about me. I don't like talking about me too much, but thank oh, you we'll have to get me. past that, Janae. So, <laughs> so for those watching uh, live or watching the video later, apparently I was on mute to start with, but y'all know who I am. Uh, but uh, you caught what uh, Janae was introducing herself. Uh, but real quick recap, obviously back again with real talk with Caleb, uh, and and we're just discussing difficult. Discussions create change with uh, Mass Sergeant Janae Stokes. Is it all right if, if through this, uh, hopefully it's not seen as unprofessional, but I, what do you go by? Yeah, call me Jay, Janae, Jay Stokes, whatever okay. you want to call Jay. me. Okay, Jay, I like yeah. it. So that's what we'll refer to you as throughout the rest of the show here, if that's all right. Obviously, people uh, listening in on the past, I usually do this in a civilian capacity, if you will. Uh, and we just go by our names, but I'm trying to reach the audience more so here in our deployed location. Uh, but I feel it's applicable to, to everyone. If you're a human being, then these types of conversations are applicable to anyone. Uh, so that's why it's a little bit different for us today. And, and like I said before, in an office setting, in a, in a, in a different environment, so you might hear some phones ringing, you might hear some people talking, uh, but just, just press through with it. And uh, obviously, we got COVID still around, trying to keep a little bit of separation here. But opening thoughts. So, uh, before we get to that, that that thought though, you know, I love starting off with quotes, uh, Jay. And I know you had previous conversations. You kind of given us or given me a quote that you liked. Uh, I'd like you to share that with the audience and kind of why why it's important to you. So the quote that I gave, I gave two quotes, um, but it, one of them that came to me first was, "You cannot change the world by being just like it." There's so much power in being unique and being yourself. And I got that quote from a mentor of mine, um, Mr. Bell, you know him. Oh, yeah. And um, before I left uh, South Dakota and that rang bells to me, it rang truth to me because a lot of the things that I do in my life and in my career, it's always been different. And so he encouraged me. And, and with those words, I, 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 um, I value those words because it's the leaders of today that we need to do things that are different innovation all of those different things is how we get after being successful and then my second quote by uh, Maya Angelou people will uh, forget what you said people will forget what you did but people will never forget how you made them feel now we may have heard that several times but that quote is so important to me because 
half the time people would say things and I don't remember what some of my mentors have said before, but what I remember is that they showed up and that they were present in my most vulnerable times. And the fact that people encourage and make me feel good or whatever it is that um, empowers me, the fact that they were present and available, that's what I remember. Or on the other side of things, the people made me feel sad or mad or upset. I don't remember what they said. I just remember how I feel. So my purpose in life is just to make people feel good, make people happy, um, and be there when they need someone. And so I think that's very important. Those quotes and something to live by. Um, some of us may be really religious, whatever it is that keeps you and holds you dear to your heart and keep you um, in alignment and your purpose. Uh, there's very uh, much so power in our words. That's awesome. Thanks for showing, uh, sharing that with us. So uh, as you can see, Jay, I got I got a lot of notes written down here, and, and for the audience watching, I don't know if you can see it or not, but uh, so me and Jay talked back and forth a little bit uh, before we sat down to have this conversation today, and, and I put some things, or she put some things on paper, and as I go through, I make notes, so you'll see me writing, if you're watching the video, you'll see me writing, and, and those are things that you say that, that pop into my head, and one of the things you talked about just right there were about feelings, and uh, I did a podcast series a, a little bit earlier, uh, and, and somebody said something to me or to the audience that really stuck out to me is never tell someone how to feel. We were talking about discrimination and it kind of, it not kind of, it flows well with difficult discussions, but we were talking about discrimination in the Air Force in that particular series. And uh, that, that, that particular hero talked to me about, or again, talked to the audience about, you can't tell someone how to feel. So when someone, someone brings something to you, you can't tell them how they're supposed to feel in that situation. And you, and you touched on that. You said, hey, I don't remember exactly what was said or what was done, but I remember how someone made me feel. Uh, that can be positive and negative. And I know our audience understands that. But I, I'd like to, to make a, a, a foot stomp point on that is, as, as leaders, right, or as human beings in general, uh, we got to keep that in mind of how we make people feel uh, and not to take advantage of, of that. So opening thought, I want to talk to you about how can conversations or real dialogue help humans develop better relationships? And also, why have we always been told not to talk about, you know, I had this conversation with a couple of lieutenant colonels before you stepped in. Uh, they'd ask about, hey, what we're sitting down and talking about. And I've heard it since I've been in the Air Force. Don't talk about race, religion, or politics. Yet here we are, and, and we're figuring out, like, we don't really know each other because these are main important things. There's just, there's a lot more than that in, in each of our lives, but those are major categories, if you will, within our lives. And, and yet we're told not to talk about it. So thank you for stepping up and, and thank you for leading in the capacity that you're leading in and being the type of awesome human you are to say, hey, look, this is what time, this is the time now to have these difficult discussions. Uh, so those opening thoughts, why is real dialogue? Why, why have we put that off? Uh, what are kind of some of your opening thoughts on this? So absolutely. So for so long, I understood the reason behind not talking about religion, politics, race, you know, sexual orientation, because it could be divisive, right? And so it's always, well, let's keep, you know, um, that assimilation, if you will, we're here to work, we're here to get after the mission, don't talk about anything else. But what happens is those conversations still take place we can have that little unwritten rule of don't talk about this, don't talk about that. But what happens is when we have the conversations and we don't have the tools to have effective conversations, that's when things could go wrong. And I highly believe in, we can talk about these things, but I do feel that there is importance in um, education. So if we come from a 
perspective of educating one another. You and I can talk about race all day. We can talk about religion and my background all day, but it's coming from a place of understanding. It's coming from a place of understanding and education. Um, so I feel like now is the time to do it. But the fact is we've been told for so long not to talk about it. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's like, whoa, what, what do I say? What do I do? I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I think as humans, you know, we don't want to offend or we're afraid of these difficult discussions because we think far out before we even make that first step. So I'm here to just encourage people that it's okay to have these conversations because that's how you build upon those relationships in your personal life and in your professional life. Because how are we truly understanding the people that we work with and for? We're brothers and sisters in arms. If we can't talk about these things, um, we're, we don't really know each other. We don't really understand our struggles. If I can't talk to you about what's going on in my everyday life, you know, who else can I go to, especially in a deployed environment? So I think it's important that we have the conversations, but also have the tools and steps to um, effectively communicate. I think that's so important. Yeah, so something you said earlier uh, was about, you know, people fear these conversations. And you also said something uh, uh, I thought was interesting. We're masters at ignoring or avoiding, not really ignoring, but avoiding these conversations. And I think you're hitting on it uh, a little bit, but if we could pull the string or pull the thread on that, I'd like to, your thoughts or perspectives on, first, why, why do we fear it as humans in your, your perspective, right? And I know you're not speaking for the entire Air Force, you're not speaking for the entire uh, human race, if you will, but just through your experiences, which are very, very valuable, why do you think we fear it? And, and why, do, why do we become such masters of avoiding it? Right. I don't know if you've ever had a leader or just someone in your life who you just knew that avoided conflict or <laughs> just avoided <Never>. <laughs> confrontation. You know, somebody the other day just mentioned, yeah, that person doesn't like conflict. And rightfully so. Nobody wants to ruffle feathers or look like that person. And I think we avoid conflict sometimes as the human race or just as humans because we don't want to be perceived as X, Y, and Z. And also we're afraid of especially in the military, we're afraid of reprisal. We're afraid of that loss in relationships. We're afraid of um, those high stake, high risk situations. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's inevitable. We're, we're always fearful of the un unknown, just naturally as humans, because we don't want to ruin those relationships. You know, um, we don't want to ruffle feathers. It could be anything as simple as giving negative feedback. Sometimes we don't even know how to do that. And it can, um, come off as, okay, maybe this person will perceive me as being a toxic leader if I did that. How would that reflect on my leadership? It's so many things that we think about that prevent us from just having a discussion. And I think we overcomplicate it yeah. um, as well. So. That's a great point. We, we definitely overcomplicate it, but there's some, some truths too also of the fear portion of it. And so this is something I'm, I'm continuously trying to learn, right? And uh, so I think the day we stop learning is the day we start, <clears throat> excuse me, start to die. Um, so when I was speaking back on a few other podcasts, you know, people were talking to me about, uh, well, you know, I might approach the situation as an example, right? I approach the situation. I don't have a problem with a difficult conversation. I've never had a problem with that. Uh, I had a, I guess, uh, maybe a thick skin, you could say, or I really didn't care what other people thought of me just because of my background and my upbringing. And, and I just assumed that other people were the same way. Like if, if you couldn't handle a difficult conversation, then that was something on you. Uh, somebody pointed out to me and said, okay, well, Caleb, you're, you're not an only. If you look around the space and not to 
take you off track, Jay, but, um, you know, we're, we're, cause I'm, we're having a conversation about yeah. having difficult discussions mm -hmm. and I, I have to be careful. I don't just go down into a difficult discussion uh, itself, but, but, but I'm not, I'm not the only, so when I walk in a room, you know, David Goldfein, General Goldfein, uh, had, had talked about this. I'm not an only, you know? Uh, and so when we talk about it from a, you know, a racial standpoint, if you will, of different ethnicities, I don't have that fear that someone else might have. I might be, I'm not the only female as an example, or the only African-American as an example, or any other, uh, you know, stipulation you want to put on that. So it might be a little bit easier for me to come into these conversations and not have fear. So as leaders, as human beings, we need to be cognizant. You, you do a great job of pointing that out. There are people in the room, whatever that room, whatever that setting is, uh, that do have fear, and they will become a master of avoiding these conversations not because the conversations are difficult to have, but like you pointed out, the potential repercussions. Sometimes, you know, I've never seen a repercussion like that. I just never have. But I'd be very naive to think they don't happen. So we have to also be cognizant that there are things that people have seen, have experienced uh, that causes fear or avoiding of conversation. So as leaders, what would be real quick, your advice to leaders in these situations, whether they're an only or not, uh, for to 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 be aware of of this what advice would you give them to say uh in, in this situation this type of situation yeah so we all come from different experiences different backgrounds um i have never been the one to also shy away from difficult discussions i've always been that person that i think about it for a little bit and then i'll say hey i wanted to clarify sometimes i mean i have always been as tactful but uh <laughs> <laughs> you know some people have different experiences and what i would say to those that you know, um, have never experienced these conversations before. It just starts with practice. So maybe your upbringing has encouraged you to speak up. Sometimes we come from backgrounds where, um, and a lot of this stems from our childhood, right? Our upbringing, childhood traumas or childhood experiences, and that leaks over, if you will, into our adulthood. And so uh, if you come from a background where your parents stated, stay in a child's place, you don't need to be in my business, right? Or maybe you were encouraged to make decisions early on. So if you're the leader that goes into a room and you're comfortable with bringing up those hard conversations, or if you know that something is gonna impact the mission or you're comfortable in that, I would just encourage those to emulate or to seek guidance from those who um, are comfortable in that space. Um, because it's not, it's not easy when you're going up against conversations about race because it's emotionally driven, right? Um, but it, it's okay to seek out mentors or seek out your board directors say, hey, how does this sound? What do I say? What do I do? To have those checks and balances. And so I think it's important to, and we'll get into it about practicing mm. at the end of the day. So you still may be comfortable with it, but everybody that you come in contact is going to be different. Yeah. And being flexible as not even just a leader, but as a person, I wish I would have known that early on in my adult life to be flexible in my approach, because the way that I've always been is not going to work for me now or work for my subordinates here or my peers here. And so getting to know your people, getting to know your audience is just as important as knowing yourself. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I think it's important that understanding who you are, what you're comfortable with, and what you're not comfortable with doing is finding, and like you said, educating, constantly educating yourself on self-awareness or reading books on professional, personal development, 
um, and, and being flexible and creating that dialogue now more than ever. No, you're absolutely right. So it does answer the question. And thank you for that. Uh, something else, you know, as leaders, it doesn't matter whether we're in the military capacity, right? Um, but and I think uh, the Air Force, I really do believe this, the Air Force has set the standard or the example in a lot of care, in a lot of areas, a lot of cases, uh, in a lot of situations that, that our nation could could watch, learn, and benefit from, and 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 we got a lot a lot of room to to grow and to continue to, to progress. Uh, but as leaders, we cannot afford uh, to not have these conversations. So I know you uh, you talk about hey, you got to know who you are, and that's absolutely one hundred percent right. You got to know who you are, what your capabilities and your limits are. If you're a leader, and, and I'm just going to put it out there, if you're a leader in the Air Force right now, you cannot afford to not have difficult discussions with the airmen that you are entrusted to lead to protect, motivate, inspire. Uh, because because when you are when you fail to do that, then you're failing them as a leader. So I love the point you make about, hey, you got to know yourself and find a mentor. So you as a leader, you have to understand, hey, I might not be comfortable with this because of X, Y, and Z. I need to go find me a, a somebody uh, that, that can help me through this because I heard Chief Faden, he's actually right. Uh, and I don't know bragging, but if you're going to be a leader, you got to be able to have these conversations and take care of people. Because if you're not having these conversations, you're not really knowing your people. Uh, and, and the mission is going to get done. But my main objective, uh, as not only as a chief, but as a person, is to take care of people. And if our job as leaders should be the same to take care of people, then we need to know where you come from, why you process things the way you process them. And, and we do talk about, or we talked about earlier about having a safe space and a foundation. What what is your advice or what are your thoughts on, on that about creating a safe space for these types of conversations and what is that foundation? Talk to us a little bit about that, Jay. Absolutely. And I like that you hit on about um, leaders. We can't afford to not have these conversations. So I have come across leaders who, you know, was really, they had reservations, you know, they feel like everything in my unit is fine. I don't have any race issues. Everything is good to go. And one thing I challenge those leaders to do is go out and see your units. Go actually talk to members in your organizations um, because it's easy to assume uh, on a surface level. One habit that I practice is when I meet someone or I speak to someone, I say, hey, how you doing? And I get the superficial, everything is great. Yeah. And then I say, okay, how you really doing? And they'll be like, you know what? I got this. I'm dealing with this, this, and this, my kids, my mom, my wife, and getting to that, you know, uh, conversation early mm. um, and it's genuine, uh, then you'll get to see what's really going on because you would be, um, you know, to think that things that are going on in the world right now, to think that it's not affecting us all, um, we would be remiss as leaders if we did not go to our members to ask, hey, how is this impacting you? You know, how are you feeling about whether it's race relations, social injustices, social unrest? Whether it be, you know, we can talk about COVID, you know, um, which is still difficult. But when it comes to this race thing, because we've been taught for so long not to talk about it, mm -hmm. we just assume that everything is okay. But listen to the stories of the people around you. Um, and I would just say not as leaders, is it the leadership's responsibility? It can be the airmen that are just brand new into the Air Force, into the military, who is leader in their own right. Oh, absolutely. You know, so it's everyone's responsibility at the end of the day because I'm just so inspired by airmen who are have the courage to tell their stories. Um, so this is a different time. This is a different generation. And we have to be open to that perspective. So going into that safe space, 
So that terminology can be overutilized maybe because we may not conceptually understand safe space. Sure. So well, help us understand it, Right. Jay. So let me let me get into it. So a safe space isn't something that you can you you can go and have these small groups discussions and say, hey, this is a safe space. I want to hear what you have to say. There will be no retaliation. You know, please be respectful, but you can still get it out there. But what happens is if you are already in an environment that there lacks trust, mm -hmm. there lacks dignity and respect, it's already an environment where you won't even open up to that person about real issue that you have aside from the conversation. So it's important that you create that safe space prior to your small group discussions about race or um, the conversations are going on today because sometimes we have to get back to the basics with communication. A lot of the times we over we overthink how uh, we should communicate about these things. So every day, just ask your people, like, how's your family? Those conversations show that genuine concern about your members. So when you do have these small group discussions, they won't be difficult. Absolutely. Because you've exactly. already set that foundation. Sorry to cut you off. Go okay. ahead. So something, I, and I wrote it down when you were talking about it. Um, talk is cheap. This is followed by action. Right. So what we also have to realize uh, as leaders in any capacity, and thank you for bringing that up because rank, as Simon Sinek would say, and there's a lot of other leaders that say it as well, but rank has no position. Rank has no, or I'm sorry, leadership has no position. Leadership has no rank. Everyone has the ability to lead. And I did a, a piece of followership and leadership, and it's all the same terminology. And we're all leaders and followers at the same time. So thanks for, for, for stomping that. But something we have to keep in mind is previous burns, if you will, previous scars, as I talk about in a big leadership, there might have been somebody that looks just like me or just like you that came through and said, hey, I got your back. It's safe. No repercussions. You say whatever you want to say. And then that person that we're talking to now, me and you're talking to, but somebody looked just like us. They've heard this maybe two or three times before, and there were no action or negative action from those words. So as leaders, when we try to set these safe environments, I think it's vital for us to understand that that's not going to happen overnight. In some cases, it might. You know, maybe if you come into an organization or a unit or an office, whatever the case may be, that has had good leadership in the past, maybe they just said, yep, this, this is what I've heard before. This is what I've seen before in a positive light. Some of us, a lot of us, unfortunately, come into an organization where that did not occur. You know, and so we have to build that trust and trust takes a while to build. So I want to encourage the leaders in the field that are listening to this. Again, no rank, no position. A leader is a leader that it might take some time. It's probably going to take some time and there's going to be some sacrifice. There's going to be some scars on your part as a leader while you're trying to build this trust and credibility. Uh, so, yeah, just something to keep in mind. I, I'll continue to go through my sticky notes over here. As, as you say great things, I'll, it makes me think something else and, and jot it down. But I would like to point out another thing to the group. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to, to see it yourself, I would encourage you to as well, Janae. Uh, but uh, Simon Sinek's circle of safety, and it's so imperative for us as leaders to create that circle of safety and then demonstrate that, right? And you're absolutely right about just talking to people, catching them in, in their space where they think they can just get away with just a, you know, facade and saying, hey, yeah, I'm doing great. And, and you know they're probably not. And the only way you're going to know that, Jay, is like you say, if you know your people. So please dig in. Uh, if you're in the field, dig in and get to know your people. But as we go forward here, you broke it up into a couple of different segments uh, when me and you first sat down and talked about difficult discussions in general. As we talk about the framework uh, and maybe, and I'll readdress this when we get to the end, maybe 
maybe we can do a couple of episodes where maybe me and you can, uh, as an example, have a difficult discussion, Absolutely. which people will probably be able to see through a little bit because obviously we already click and get along really well. So it's not going to be as difficult for us, but kind of like, uh, and not to associate us with those, these two individuals, uh, they're, they're much better than me for sure. Uh, but General Goldfein and Chief Robin, they sat down and showed a, a, the Air Force, hey, this is, this is how you do this. Uh, you know, and sometimes our airmen might look at that and say, well, that's great. That's the chief of staff of the Air Force and chief master of the Air Force. Well, what about me? Like, how do we do that? That's so much different in my squadron. So uh, maybe we we could, maybe somebody invites you out to their squadron and, and maybe there's an opportunity to record it. Maybe not, but just some snippets of how you have these difficult conversations. But in the framework, you talk about purpose, engagement, and your desired outcome, the follow-up. Uh, so yeah, walk us through that. When you talk about purpose and you think about the purpose of, of a difficult discussion, walk us through what's going through your mind when you when you say that. Absolutely. And so I think going back to the discussion about that example of what it looks like, a lot of the times growing up or in, in our early adult lives, we never really saw effective conversations. Mm -hmm. We never really had great examples. And so naturally, when we're in that defense mode, or we feel offended, or we feel attacked, or we feel threatened, we automatically go back to our innate responses. And for some people, that can mean, you know, reacting, you know, very like harsh or very violently or abrupt when they feel threatened or attacked. Some people would just, you know, shut down and walk away from the situation and it just festers and it boils inside of them. And some of us could like, we like drama, right? Some people like to be malicious with, you know, these discussions. And so going into your purpose before even um, going into the difficult discussion, it's important to be self-aware. Right up front, this is the time now more than ever to learn about yourself. And even in my profession, every day I'm learning about myself. Because at the end of the day, like you said, you have to continuously educate yourself. And that could be about things you didn't know. Um, in these difficult discussions, some leaders are saying, I did not know this; these things still happen. I did not know in 2020, these things still exist. So that's something that's uh, triggering or alarming to continue to have these conversations. So being self-aware, understanding what your triggers are. If you notice that even before having a difficult discussion, if your triggers are, um, right, sometimes I notice when people are about to get really upset, their chest will go up and down, or you can see those physical, reaction, those physical yeah. reactions or like those non-verbs or this right here, right? Pay attention to those little nuances about yourself because that can deter how your conversation goes. Um, and so going into your purpose, understanding exactly the intent and your focus of your conversation. Is your purpose to educate? Is it to inform? What is the purpose of you going into this conversation? So you and I can have a conversation about religion. Mm -hmm. um, you may ask me a question about my beliefs and my background. Is your genuine purpose actually understand or is it really just to say nope my religion is that mm, right yeah. what is the purpose because that's going to determine your engagement and how that outcome is going to be and ultimately these are just three key steps um, that could help us as we practice every single day 
but um, it's not all inclusive, whatever works for you. So um, that's important as well, understanding your purpose in that conversation. Because sometimes if you are going to speak to somebody in airmen um, and give negative feedback, right? When you go into that conversation, maybe that person thinks, oh man, I don't really know what where this person is coming from. I already don't trust this person. Anything that comes out of their mouth is suspect. I don't know, you know. But if you build that relationship, going back to that, right? Mm -hmm. If you build that relationship early on, understanding your purpose is to really help and groom that person. You know, we still want to hold those members accountable. If you say some stuff that um, may be discriminatory in that behavior, and I come to that person to have that conversation, like, listen, I really didn't appreciate that comment that you made, but I also respect our relationship. So you definitely can drive that conversation while you understand your purpose. I like how you uh, you said it in a, in a written form, you sent it, keep it real with yourself. Obviously, you know, this is real talk with Caleb, so and I'm all about keeping it real. And sometimes in that endeavor to keep it real, you hit on a key point there. What is your purpose coming into the conversation? So sometimes when we say keeping it real, we leave out the love portion of it. And what I mean by that is I'm just going to tell you the truth. What is the truth? Well, you know, and you talked about uh, things that we didn't even know were going on and things that we thought we knew we don't really know. So we only think we only know what we think we know. Right. So when we talk about having a real purpose, keeping it real with ourselves, I like to say it because it doesn't matter. Uh, love is universal. Right. Uh, and, and we're talking about how you approach people and respect people as human beings. And you use the example of a religion. Uh, you know, like if I come to you and talk to you about your religion, uh, your particular preference of re uh, religion, then why am I coming to you to talk to you about that? Is it about to know Jay better? What makes Jay tick? I don't. And here's a, here's a shocker. Right. We don't have to agree. We're adults. We can we can have different thought. I know it's mind blowing. Mm -hmm. We can have different thought processes, mm -hmm. still love and respect each other, treat each other as, with dignity and respect as human beings uh, and, and press on with life. So many people are so married, if you will, to their thought processes with no real psychological flexibility to say, maybe I don't know what I think I know. Uh, so knowing that person. So, and I might be jumping ahead a little bit here when we talk about planning the conversation, but in the framework of this, do you do you suggest like writing this down, like the purpose, writing it down? How, how would you go about advising our, our leaders in the field to ha have this purpose mapped out? Right. So going into these conversations, like you mentioned before, um, we had a really great class uh, last week mm -hmm. with the general about outward mindset. That was good. And a uh, really great course. And I actually read the book prior to coming here. One of my great friends had sent it to me in the mail because like I said, I'm always learning. And it's great to understand someone else's perspective or at least try to, because with race relations or being, you know, um, those different demographics, you'll never really understand what that person may be going through. So trying to see from a different lens is also important. So your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, but how can we get to a mutual ground or at least a mutual understanding about the situation? So I'm glad that you brought that up because these conversations, we live in our own bubble, right? We have our own lens, but going into the discussion, you have your perspective on something. That person has their perspective on what happened or what you said. Okay, well, I, I you know, going to get into the engagement piece, but I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, so 
Uh, I forgot your question. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's about like, you know, if you, right. as leaders, when we talk about our purpose, sometimes we yeah. can think, hey, this is going to be my purpose when I go into the conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and then we get in the conversation, we forgot what our purpose yeah. was. So kind of like, how would you advise leaders to make sure they stay on track Absolutely. with that purpose? And so going into the discussion with your purpose, understanding that, especially when you go into your small discussions, talk about race, for example, understanding that these conversations aren't really about you. As a leader, you can't fix everything, you know, and especially with race relations and discrimination, you, you want to try to, but how can you be helpful in this situation? Going into the conversation, I have some leaders who say, you know, I have African-American airmen um, and I don't know what to say. I don't know how to open the discussion. I don't want to offend. I don't want to say the wrong things. And that's understandable. But going into your purpose is to be a leader, to be available, to be vulnerable, to help anybody who needs anything, regardless of race, religion, creed. Just like you would help Airman A, you know, with certain um, uh, significant events in their life. You still want to be available and present. So always go into your purpose. Your purpose is to build upon that relationship, build upon that trust um, at the end of the day. Uh, so like I said, this stuff as we're talking about it, it's stuff that we already know. But when it's time to put it into action, mm. sometimes all this stuff goes out. Yeah. We don't have our therapist right here. We don't have all those stacks of books right here that we can flip through. So your question was, should I write it down? So... Um, I think that it is important to write down your thoughts. So as your, you know, person who's receiving the conversation is speaking, okay, write down what you what you hear them saying. And what I hear you saying is this. Mm. Okay, walk me through that. Help me understand a little bit more because this is what I hear you, you saying. And as they're doing that, just write down your thoughts. Because that can help you with um, expressing yourself the way it's not coming off as dismissive or um, judgmental. Just reinforce what they're saying and just say, okay, um, this is what I hear you saying. And this is how I took it. But going into that conversation in that way. Yeah. And first versus just attacking. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So something, uh, you know, I, I popped into my mind again, I'm writing on my sticky notes is you're dropping a lot of wisdom. So hopefully people watching now or listening to this later or watching it later. Uh, can truly and fully appreciate the wisdom you're dropping. But some people think it is weak to be uh, collaborative, if you will. So when you talk about my truth and your truth and us getting into a, an equal play, and you, we see this play out in the political world as well, right? Okay. People think it's weak. Uh, you know, if, if I don't, if I, if I somehow compromise what I believe, nobody's asking anybody to compromise on what they believe in, right? Or, or what they find to be truthful. All we're saying is in these conversations, have an open mind. And that shows an incredible, I think, strength and courage as a leader or as a human being. We can sit down and be like, okay, here's 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 what I would like to have a conversation about, and here's why. So back to the purpose, you know, I have a, a unique, I guess you could say, background and career in the military, but a lot of drills, we call them rock drills, of going through, if we know I have an objective, we have a target, and I know you said not to attack, but then in my mindset, <laughs> I plan for the target, I plan for the mission, whatever that case is, and we rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it to its second nature to us, right? But we don't do that with these conversations. And there's something else we have, we have, we think, and I talked to Chief Bass, uh, Joe Bass about this, uh, and she got a kick out of it. I said, and she gave me a half air 
high five on it because, uh, you know, it's her world where she just left from training world. We send uh, these adults. So let's not get it twisted. They're adults. We send them to basic military training and we're talking Air Force specific here. Um, and, but you can apply this to any organization, whatever training you use in your organization, civilian or military. Send them to basic and we send them to tech school. And when they get to the operational Air Force, it's like we don't even, oh, yeah, you talked about, you know, your feelings and stuff. And they, oh, that's cool. We're not, we're not even doing that anymore. And what we fail to see as leaders or understand that the bell curve right now is about 20, the mid 20 range of airmen that are coming into the Air Force. That's how old these adults are. So they've had, let's just say 24. They've had 24 years of existence before they run into me and you. And they know what they know. They've been exposed to what they've been exposed to. They've been raised how they've been raised. I'm not passionate judgment, but we we recruit airmen not on purpose. Like it's not like we go find murderers and recruit their children, but we find we recruit people that are, have uh, murders in their background. Uh, we have people that have racists in their backgrounds, all kind of stuff, right? Just huge huge demographic. The Air Force sets the diversity table for us, expects us to be inclusive of that. And that's where I see leaders fall short. We're not inclusive of that diversity. We think that Johnny or Susan coming into the Air Force, they've been trained up in basic training. They're good to go now. We don't have to talk about this anymore. We'll rehearse for hours, days, months, or years on a mission and not do any of this rehearsal. So back to your point, not to take a conversation, but I get fired up about it, uh, is we got to rehearse this. I, I need to write it down. So I'm the kind of person I, I like written things or typed. You can see I'm, I'm writing a lot over here, but I like to say, okay, here's my plan. Here's the purpose. And like you said, be able to adjust just like we will in a mission. We get in a mission, but like, oh, plan A didn't work out at all. Let's go to plan B uh, and being able to, to help our airmen navigate through these things. But when you come into it with the right purpose, like you said, it's not about us. It's about that other person trying to help the other person. I think we're well on our, on our way uh, for having a good discussion. So what else, is there anything else that you want to talk about in the purpose of because I think we're really kind of in the engagement piece of this now, uh, but anything else in purpose and then walk us into an engagement. Yeah. So I want to jump back to what you mentioned. Because you're dropping some gems. I always have to listen to you because it's, it's just a different conversation that we're, we're just not used to hearing and to see you leading the way and understanding that and get it after that. I think that's so influential and inspiring, right? So to go back to what you stated, we're a microcosm of, of everything the United States has to offer. So we come into the military and it's just like, all right, now assimilate and be great. But <laughs> we can't erase all of this stuff in our upbringing and what our grandma and granddaddy used to teach us, right? We can't, we can't just erase those things. And so that's why we have, you know, complaints, unfortunately, but that's what the process is for. But if everyone could effectively communicate there would be no need for EO, there would be no need for IG, there were no need for lawyers and <laughs> grievance processes. And so I think it's important to understand why we need to have these conversations as leaders, um, which we spoke about. And, and so going back to that that tactfulness, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, I used to be a defender, who, and as soon as I came into EO, I had to adjust fire because my approach to things was boom, boom, boom. Right. Very rigid. It, it was very rigid. Yeah. It took me a while to kind of suck back. But I realized that the most influential leaders are the ones that are flexible. Like you don't always have to, you know, demean anybody or, you know, I'm not, you know, I have to do not be a, the fun police, but I have a job to do, which is yeah. we all have to, a job to do. But it's important that we can still have fun 
but also be flexible as leaders um, into having those conversations. So knowing your purpose, knowing your audience, knowing your people is so important. Um, that's the key takeaway for your purpose. So, yeah. So having our purpose now, we got our roadmap. What do we do then? Yeah. So, so I know you said uh, this is the most important piece or it's everything. Uh, so now we got our purpose. We got a roadmap. We got, we got a rock drills. We're ready to rock and roll. So what now, Jay? Those leaders in the field, they got their purpose. What do you tell them now? Okay. So, Actually, all these steps are very important as well. Um, so I didn't mean to say just purpose, but that engagement is everything. So, for example, you have an airman who states, you know, chief, I'm having a hard time with the racial tension that's going on right now in the states um, in my work section. I need I need help um, and I, I don't know what else to do. Right. So as a leader, it's easy for you maybe because you, you've been rehearsed, as you mentioned, you've been practicing, you've been having these conversations. But for a leader who has never experienced these conversations before, what does that engagement look like? Mm -hmm. What is that safe space? That person felt comfortable enough to come to you. Yeah. So what are you going to say? So in that moment, you can definitely put down your phone, put down the computers, you know, take a moment and to listen. So in that engagement process, it is important that you are active listening. That active listening is so important, ensuring that you are not listening to respond, but you are listening to try to at least understand. And also in current events of what's going on, it's important that we are supporting one another as allies, as support systems, not necessarily to try to fix everything, because some stuff we may not be able to fix. It could be past experiences that are coming up now that is now triggering us that we didn't realize was an issue until now. So as a leader, your job really is just to listen and say, okay, well, what can I do to support you? And I like to use the analogy, right? As a husband, you have four kids, right? Yeah. Your wife, every uh, pregnancy, she's in pain, she's going through labor you may not know what that feels like right you don't <laughs> yeah. know you don't know you have no clue but you know that and i'm not trying to figure it out either <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to feel that pain <laughs> but you know what support looks like yeah. you know that okay ice chips uh epidural please that uh you know pillows right yeah. get the ball or whatever it is that she needs you know that i don't know what she's going through but i know that she needs my support right now yeah. And so that's the biggest thing um, that I can say is, how can I help you? And being in that conversation, speaking specifically about race right now, um, we're not talking about disciplinary, we can get into that later, but speaking specifically about race is being supportive and understanding that you may have your thoughts and views about this peaceful protesting or the looters or how you feel, all of that, right? And I have a course on unconscious bias, but in that moment, you are there for your member, your brother and sister in arms, and just having that conversation and active listening. So in my course that I offer uh, for facilitator training, it's just that um, breaking that barrier down at the end of the day, asking them more about their upbringing, asking them more about their experiences. Because oftentimes those conversations were never had. Yeah. And so now is that opportunity for people to say a leader, somebody in my chain of command wants to hear from me. What? 
I'm about to just open up um, about the conversation. So that engagement is so important and ensuring that um, you pay attention to your nonverbal cues, right? If there's not enough time right then and there, a lot of set time that you can at least have an hour so you're not being rushed or maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes to, to peel back those layers in that discussion. Some great points. So first I have to, I'm not laughing and Amy will watch this probably later. And uh, so you, you use, at least in my experience, because Amy would say, and like you said, a leader, you're not there to hear it for yourself. You're there to help your your airman, your your brother or sister in arms. Uh, and Amy, like in our, on our third uh, child, she was having our third child. And I was like, you know, baby, you're okay. You know, I'm trying to talk, right? And she's like, come here. And I get close. She's like, shut up and listen. So, you know, that's perfect because a lot of times our leaders, we need to do it. We just need to shut up and listen, right? Just okay, this isn't about me. And we said that a couple of times, but I think we need to keep saying it because some leaders just don't understand that, uh, which might call into question their leadership ability. But either way, <laughs> just shut up and listen. And I like how you said put the computer down. There's a lot of times my computer's behind us. You might not be able to see it on the, on the camera, but uh, and definitely can if you're listening to the podcast later. But uh, just pulling out the cat card says a lot, right? So the common access card, if you're a civilian audience, uh, the cards we have to have to actually open our computers. Just being able to pull that and, and then just give that person your attention. And, and you hit on another great point. Maybe we don't have an hour to discuss it. So maybe if you walk in, there's something crazy going on. I can't break away. I'm like, hey, Jay, what's on your mind? You tell me. Kind of like you did the other day. Like, hey, I'd like to come back and talk to you. And I was like, hey, just well, let's talk about it. We talked in about, I don't know, about 30 minutes or so. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, let's let's put two hours on the calendar. Yeah. Let's get it scheduled in. So just being having an open ear to that airman. And, and we say that great agnostic to that person. Uh, and then you're a creating force multipliers. Because like you said, they're like, you know what? Jay, listen to Mass Sergeant Stokes, listen to me. And then say if you're in a different capacity, obviously, you know, it's, it's you're going to get a certain reaction out of the position you hold now. But if you're that Mass Sergeant, that senior NCO in that unit that says, hey, you know what, let me hear about your problems. Uh, young Airman Baden is going to go back and talk to the other Airman and be like, anytime somebody starts saying something about you, like, no, 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 she got my back. You know, she listened to me. Like, And you start creating those other leaders around you, those ripple effects. So thanks for pointing that out. Uh, and then something else. I tell our ALS students this at um, back in Ellsworth, you can take, I don't know how long we've been in here. I haven't been watching the time. It's, it's, it's been, been a little bit of time, right? And I don't know, we're, we're in a certain country where Taliban hadn't aggressed our position yet, right? So, um, you know, there's probably not going to be the end of the world if you take 30 minutes out or an hour to talk to someone about life, right? About the things that are troubling them. So thanks for bringing that up. And, you know, a real conversation is an interactive process. You talk about that. You just touched on that. And it, any final thoughts, uh, not final thoughts, but thoughts as we move forward, you know, for the audience on engagement, that interactive process. Uh, I know some, and I might be jumping ahead, but on there, you're talking about listen to understand. At least that's the things I'm pulling away from it, uh, being available for your airmen. Uh, but also sometimes those conversations don't always go like we want. So kind of jumping back a little bit back to purpose. Our purpose was to be open and inviting. But as humans, we make mistakes. Absolutely. So. Talk to us about that as we kind of continue forward about, hey, what happens when the conversation doesn't go as planned? Oh, yeah, because th those are real poss I mean, possibilities. And I don't want to neglect those situations because um, that is a real possibility. But I want people to understand that you have control over how those conversations go. So once you pay attention to those nine verbs, once you pay attention, because at this point you should know your people, what makes them tick, what makes them agitated, even if you don't know, because a lot of these conversations are spontaneous. 
a lot of them come out of nowhere and you're like, did that just happen? <laughs> right. But what I want to advise is you have to practice every single day, not just in difficult conversations, but then your um, conversations just with your peers, with your mama, your daddy, your, your brother, your sister, right? Practice on communicating at the end of the day. Are you surrounded by people who think like you, act like you, look like you? Are you really challenging yourself? Or are you seeking confirmation bias at the end of the day? How are you growing? If everybody is disgruntled, everybody is jaded, how are you moving past that to become a better human, not just a better leader? So seek opportunities to speak to someone who doesn't look like you. Seek mentors who don't think or act like you. It's okay to do that because when we do that, our engagement, we're just piling up our toolkit. Like I remember somebody who said that before. I remember that. Well, let me see if this relates to this person because a lot of our human personalities are similar at the end of the day and so i think that's important to remember that as well is to constantly challenge yourself so no that's that's great you know something else um i i, I have my background right and i'm very forward with people and i have learned that when i start these conversations it goes back to desired outcome and i start out with uh, and i use this example a couple of times i did talk about it in the all call we had earlier the virtual all call um, for the for the group here, I, I went in to talk to a couple of people. I just as a chief, I just wander around. You know, I wander while wandering. You know, <laughs> the, 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 the O and the like A, it. right? Um, and and I just love having conversations with people. I step in and, and we're talking to two people, and it was a small talk at first. You know, of like how long you been here on this deployment, blah blah blah. What unit you from? And hey, I'm just very forward with people. Um, I would like to talk to y'all about racism in the Air Force. What do you think? And at first, people are like it's almost like. Like you're in a fight, you're kind of stumbling backwards. They're like, oh my, you just went there. And uh, I was like, hey, if it's too much, we'll take it in bite-sized pieces. And um, so anyway, um, people were, they, you know, the two individuals were talking, mainly uh, as an African-American and Caucasian. Uh, African-American was uh, sharing a lot of feelings, a lot of emotion about uh, when we, and I know, I know the audience understands this. We've talked a lot about racial uh, situations or tensions. Obviously, difficult discussions can have a wide range of topics, mm -hmm. right? But that is prevalent in our, our society right now. And, and in the Air Force, it's, it's things our airmen are going through. So anyway, this individual, and, and I'll leave him genderless, if you will, too, so not to narrow down anybody, but um, had a lot to say about this. And I turned to the Caucasian and I said, well, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And this individual said, Chief, I had no idea until you brought it up. And then the other person had said, how can you how can you be this way? Well, hold on a second now. And we walked the, walked the dog, so to speak, on that. And uh, I said, well, where are you from again? And, and how many... African-Americans did you have contact with before you joined the Air Force? And it helped that other person really understand. So where I'm going with that is when we say certain things, we might not even understand how the other person is taking it. So if you're in that position, what I encourage our audience to do, if you're in the position where somebody says something that offends you, or and, but I as a leader came out, my purpose was, hey, I want to get to know you. These are going to be a difficult set of discussions. My heart, you talked about that in your writing too, right, is, is the heart. If you're real leaders, you want to do it with your heart. Uh, and, and obviously, you want to use good sound judgment as well. But my heart is to help you. My heart is to get to know you. If I say something that offends you, just know I'm not trying to help me, right? So that's a big step for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people don't start the conversation off that way. Um, so that when you get into the conversation, be like, this is that, those nonverbals and even inside where they're not doing that. They just close off because maybe you said something that offended them. So I want to challenge the audience or encourage, I should say, the audience 
is when somebody says something to defend you or strikes you a certain way, uh, now obviously there's different paradigms, if you will. There's some people that do it on purpose. So I'm talking about if you know a person didn't do it on purpose, help that. Even if they did do it on purpose, you need to elevate it. But individually, that person, so Jay, if you say something and I don't, you know, you're like, whatever, whatever it is, it'd be really hard to offend me. But you say something that offends me, I'll pull you aside and be like, hey, Jay, I don't think your intent was this, but just know that when you're talking to this type of person or you're talking to me, this happens. There was another incident uh, where someone said something in front of someone. They used a a term that was could be used very seen as very derogatory. I pulled that individual aside and said, hey, you're hard on the situation. I know it wasn't to upset or offend that person. Just understand the term that you use and how an African-American interprets that term. Just based on my experience of what people have told me, I don't claim to know how African-Americans interpret every term. But on that particular one, when they talked about working as a slave, you've worked me like a slave uh, kind of was the comment. I said, hey, just understand. I know your heart it wasn't you didn't mean anything by it but you need to go back and readdress it with this person because I saw their face when you said it. Now, so anyway, those types of things, and that person would probably have never said anything to this individual uh, based on the nature of the rank, right? So anyway, no, thanks for, for clearing that up and the desired outcomes. Uh, how, how would you uh, sum up uh, the follow-up, having an outward mindset? I know you talked a little bit about that, seeing it from their perspective, but also the follow-up because uh, that, that gets left out a lot of times. So there's a, a conversation that goes great or doesn't go great, and then there's really no follow-up after that. Absolutely. And so I do want to touch on a point, those those gems, you know, you was dropping them nuggets, you know, made a happy meal. So I think <laughs> that it's important to understand that defensive um, aspect. We have to be mindful that this is the first time we're having this conversation in, in the workspace. And I will tell you that while I was quarantined, I had a roommate. Um, she was a major, and well, she is a major, and she appeared to be white female, right? But after talking with her, conversing, she's half Asian. And I found that to be so interesting. And I think she could see my genuine character was to learn more. So there were certain things that she experienced as a white female that um, in my mind, I'm like, man, there's a lot of us who really don't know what's going on in the world. And instead of me being defensive, I said, well, tell me more, you know, or why don't you understand that in this um, community and in this neighborhood, there is a such thing as gentrification and redlining. But in her mind, she just did not understand. She's like, this is a great community. We got great landscape. We got the water right here. I don't understand why. And I said, well, what was the demographic of that community? She's like, mostly African-American. I was like, oh, okay. And you have to be tactful. You have to sometimes get people to see, walk them through that experience so that they can kind of understand your perspective. And with that conversation, we were able to talk about whatever, but I created that safe space in the beginning. There would be certain situations where I would just point certain things out to her. And I said, what do you think about that? And she was just like, I would have never noticed that beforehand. And I was like, well, you know, historically, this is what that meant. This is what this looks like. This is the perception. There's always three sides to a story. But what do you think about that? Because I went somewhere and it was just predominantly minorities and women working in this um, this environment and I said what are your thoughts and she said well maybe it was just coincidence and I was like maybe um, and so then she went back and spoke to her other officer friends and they had conversation yeah. but imagine if I shut her down right mm, then and there yeah, like you have no idea yeah and my in-state and desired outcome I knew because she's an officer she's going to be a commander one day she's leading people right and if we can't get people to see 
from different lenses, we'll be remiss as leaders if we didn't afford that opportunity. So it comes with practice. Of course, naturally, we want to be dismissive, but um, learn to be tactful in that approach. So um, as far as the follow-up, I reach out to, you know, everybody to say, hey, how are you doing? Or, you know, how did that conversation go, right? Or, you know, I understand that that conversation was a little bit rocky. Let's go out for lunch and let's build upon that conversation. A lot of times, I'm, looking, I'm waiting for them to PCS, I'm waiting for them to deploy. I've tried talking, but this is a progressive um, environment that we are trying to create because we'll be remiss as leaders if we don't continue to have this conversation because these are the individuals who are going to be leading our children, mm-hmm. our brothers, our sisters, um, going into the civilian world, thinking that everything is okay with what they have said, what they have done. A lot of people are okay with just saying whatever they want to say, doing whatever they want to do. And a lot of the times the victims, they just say, I want that person to PCS. I want them to get out of here. But we don't have that conversations with the other people so that they can learn. For example, you know, working you like a slave, a Hebrew slave, right? We don't understand like that could be offensive. We don't know what we don't know. Calling someone a monkey, right? We don't know what we don't know. Hopefully, we would think in 2020 it would be common sense not to say those things, but we don't know what we don't know. And the fact that you approach that individual about that comment speaks volumes because your silence serves no one. Mm-hmm. If we continue to be silent, it's almost like we approve of that behavior. Mm-hmm. And so that's so important for leaders who are right now who are silent. I encourage you to continue to speak up um, regardless of what your fears are. Have the conversation. You know, you talked about the crucial conversation comes to mind. I know we breezed over it, and if I can, I'll go back just a little bit. So for the audience, if you haven't uh, listened to or read the book, Crucial Conversations, I encourage you to do that because a lot of what you're saying is is centered off these stories we make up in our head about the, I'm just ready for them to deploy. I've tried to talk to them. I've said X, Y, and Z. And you know what in my experience I found, Jay, is when we have these conversations, like say between me and you, we're talking about person X. Well, I told them this was up. No, you didn't. No, you, didn't. you did not tell them what's up, you know, and in your mind, you you made you this story them. up and then they were bad and you created this agenda, kind of like when we were doing the outward mindset, right? We start building this narrative against this person to make us feel justified in our standing, right? Um, so anyway, about crucial conversations and the stories make up, be very careful with that uh, for sure. And, and you hit on another great point uh, about these are the people uh, they are going to be leading our children. And so I have a son that's delayed enlisted right now. We talk about the Air Force, and this could be, again, agnostic to military. It could be the civilian sector as well. Uh, these are the people that are, are going to be leading our children, right? And our most precious resource, which is our children, uh, don't get the, the attention. I, in my personal opinion, I don't want to take us on a rabbit hole, but in my personal opinion, don't get the attention they need uh, in our society. But anyway, uh, yeah, so my son, delayed enlisted, and you're not getting Chief Vaden, you mess with my son, you're going to get daddy, right? And which, which is, uh, I probably have to call Chief Bass up, as, or Chief Wright right now, but Chief Bass, she gets ready to take the helm mm-hmm. um, and be like, hey, you lost a chief because somebody messed with my son, I got to go fix it. Um, but you know, that is something that's key for our leaders to think about. I tell our ALS graduates this, you're leading someone's special, somebody. They're either a son, a daughter, a nephew, a niece, an auntie, an uncle. They're somebody special. As a human being, whether you can't see that or not, that they're special, just know that there's somebody that's entrusting you to treat them right, to treat them with dignity and respect. So thank you so much, Jay, for sitting down and chatting with us today about this. It's very, very important that we have these types of conversations. 
these types of conversations about how to have the difficult discussions are important because I know our, our teammates are going to draw a lot from your wisdom. So if you could, I'd say probably 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> we are not at the three rounds yet. You know we're going to end with three rounds. Uh, but 30 second wrap up of this framework. Just put a, put a bow on it for us. Absolutely. Do not. So going into the small group discussions, whether you're military, civilian, this is a total force effort. Um, be the change that you wish to see, right? If you see that there's things that are going on that's impacting your organizations, just start the conversation. I think leadership at the top has given us full, you know, uh, rights to go ahead and have these conversations. So do not continue to uh, suffer in silence. Even if you're the one that's hurting, reach out to somebody, ask somebody, how do I get through this? You know, I understand that this is a tough time, but definitely just start the conversation. That's all I can say. That's awesome. So thank you so much again uh, for joining us. But before you go, you know what we're about to do. So if you are new to the show, uh, what we do is I like to do three rounds at the end, and it's just to get to know the person a little bit better. And um, so, so hopefully you'll play along. If not, you can never come back on the show. Again. Okay. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, three rounds. I just ask you three questions. And uh, I know you might have gamed this a little bit, but you're not really supposed to know or think about it. So when I just hit you with a question, you're just supposed to answer. Um, and then so first question is, Jay, how do you maintain, and this is personal, right? I get it. Uh, how do you maintain harmony uh, with, with family, career, life, all these thoughts, emotions that we have as human beings? How do you maintain harmony uh, in all of that? So I feel like it's important, and I'm glad that you asked that question. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they spoke um, life to that question. And so she was an accountant and things of that nature, and she said there really is no such thing as work-life balance. Mm. But she looked at it as a diversified portfolio, if you look at it in that context. And she was like, well, this is what how much time I'm going to give to this situation. So if I have designated like times for my family, that is specifically for my family. Nobody can come in, in in the way of that. I need to have a specific time for my work. We understand stuff comes up, but we have to be intentional about the, the love and the time we're giving to people, as you mentioned earlier, because we never know when we may not have that opportunity again, right? Or when we retire, we may look back and think, I don't even know my kids. Mm. You know, and so being very intentional about that, if it's a pie chart, what are your priorities, family, faith, you know, um, your personal and mental health, you need to obligate that specific time to yourself, to your family. So if you know that you have a date night with your kids or whatever, or with your husband, and here comes somebody wanting to intervene, you have to say no, you'll get your time, right? Yeah. You have to be intentional about that. And that's something that I put into practice. Somebody's like, hey, I need a favor, but I'm talking to my family right now. When is your suspense? Because we automatically want to put out those fires that mm. come directly to us. And it's taking and pulling us away from other things. So that's kind of been my focus. I have to give a, a, a shout out uh, because it sounds like you've been talking to Gina Dawkins. So Gina, if you're listening, she meets Senior Mass Sergeant, first sergeant out at Dias. Now she was our first sergeant at Moody there. And uh, same same uh, philosophy there. So, uh, you know, great minds think alike. You two ladies are awesome. Uh, number two, biggest pet peeve. Like, what's one of those things that just aggravates the snot at you? Um, I think liars. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that a lot of people can relate to that one. Just liars just to be lying, you know, just like to hear themselves talk or like to just make themselves sound greater than. And just people who are not genuine, right? You see right through that. Mm. And that's just my biggest pet peeve, like. Just be yourself, you know, um, just don't, don't be a liar. 
I, I hear you 100%. Like I, I heard somebody, we've all heard it, fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. The only person you're faking is yourself. Is yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're the only one that's believing that mess. And then the last one, uh, what do you hope, Jay, what do you hope you're, we talk a lot about legacy on legendary leaders, which is a, an aspect of this real talk, but what do you hope your legacy will be? Right. So I think about this every single day and I spoke to you last week about mm -hmm. purpose. Yeah really finding out who I am, your purpose, your legacy, what have we been put on this earth to do? And I think whatever your legacy is, whatever speaks to your purpose, go for it. So my purpose in life is to carry on the legacy of my ancestors, of my fathers, of my mothers, and to build a foundation for my children so that they can prosper and be great citizens because they are a reflection of me and my husband. And so they are my legacy. And so anything that I can do to set them up for success, they may buy, might be president one day or might be someone you know, of a significant status, but to understand that they know what their importance is right now, I have to give that. My husband has to give that. So, and also in the military and the professional aspect, it's just to be available. Um, to be a resource for people to go to. I counsel airmen every day, just being available and so that they can have someone to vent to and just to know that, okay, Sergeant Stokes was there and she was available. Um, but other than that, just someone that's a bright face that can be there and um, to educate and inspire is my biggest, I guess, achievement that I'm trying to get after. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure it out, but um, just be available. So, so it sounds like your legacy is making better humans. Trying to. That's what I'm talking about. Oh. Jay, thanks for joining us. Um, I know uh, we'll ask uh, if you can provide some contact information for, for the location here local. Uh, we'll, we'll attach that to uh, this this version of the, the, the print, if you will, of our conversation here, or at least a portion of it, your thoughts behind that. We'll push that out for our team. Uh, I'll share a, a photo version of it uh, on the on the website and on the on the uh, Facebook group as well for the audience. I will uh, try to get crafty with creating a podcast because I've looked over at the screen a couple of times and realized it's not actually recording. So that's awesome. It's live, so I can pull it off Facebook, hopefully. So might not have a podcast after all. Uh, but, but seriously, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I've been watching um, the Facebook. Uh, there aren't any questions. Uh, if you do have questions and you're watching this uh, later, just go ahead and put it in the comment box where you see the live video uh, was posted. Uh, I'll also include a Slido dot uh, or a Slido dot um, feedback mechanism for you to provide some anonymous feedback or anonymous questions or comments. Uh, myself and uh, Jay will be able to, to read those and see that and get back to you if you leave us some contact. Otherwise, I'll just reply to the comment on there and it'll be an anonymous comment. Uh, and then you'll see my reply on there uh, or, or Jay's reply. So again, I don't see any comments right now, Jay. Thanks again for joining us. And for all the rest of you, you know the deal. Until we talk again, keep it real. Later. Bye.